and she's like, this is unbelievable. She, I remember her like hit me to wake up. And so why don't we run plays like that? Why don't you, you have to be more creative. And she's like yelling at me a week before we're going to play for the national title. Welcome to the Fiesta Bowl Football Focus Podcast. We're excited to bring you this new series that will give fans an inside look at what makes the Fiesta Bowl organization special. We'll bring you a new interview-style conversation twice a month featuring college football's biggest names. We'll cover behind the scenes of college athletics, television, and our guests' personal experiences with the Fiesta Bowl organization. Make sure you subscribe and then keep an eye out for our updated podcast episodes. All right, let's get to the first episode of the Fiesta Bowl Football Focus Show. Urban Meyer joins us today following an incredible coaching success on the field with a 187-32 and record, an 85% winning percentage, and three national championships. His connection to the Fiesta Bowl is also noteworthy, bringing three different teams to Arizona for postseason play, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. He's 3-1 and one in games here in Arizona, including the 2007 national championship game when the Gators won the first of Meyer's three national titles. Coach, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, great to be here. Before we get started on your coaching career, I wanted to go back before we go forward. You played football growing up, but baseball as well, and probably a lot of people don't know that you were an MLB draft pick by the Atlanta Braves in 1982 and played two seasons in minor league baseball. So here's my question. Take us on the baseball field with you and describe Urban Meyer as a baseball player. Oh, probably a lot like the football field. A little bit of overachiever, worked really hard, was a shortstop um, in a small town in, in northeastern Ohio. Uh, loved baseball. You know, I grew up watching the Big Red Machine, and Davey Concepcion was my favorite player, and Pete Rose as well. And, uh, but football, football was my first love always. Uh, baseball was probably a little bit better at it than uh, football, but I was so good at baseball that after I was drafted, it only lasted two years and started my college football career. <laughs> What did you learn about yourself as a, as a minor league baseball player? I was 17 years old. I was the youngest player drafted in 1982. And, you know, I was one of those kids. I just grew up in a very, in a great home, so much sheltered, you know, just a small town USA. And, and here I am thrown into uh, the life of professional baseball. Uh, learned a lot. Learned, uh, you know, that I was very young, very, uh, I remember the time I wanted to quit. My father said, we just don't have quitters in this family. And so that's really helped me throughout my journey, because you name a, a, a young athlete that never wanted to quit, I want to meet that person, because everybody goes through that. And, and that really helped me to help young people on our, along their journeys. So just expound upon that a little bit, and how did you address that with some, some players that maybe weren't feeling it at the time during your coaching career, and you re-inspired them to, to bring the greatness out in them? Well, I told the story, and misery loves company, so we were very, uh, very intentional about who we put players with. and. I put it on the parents as much as the, the player. Mm-hmm. The par- players are going to go through the hard time. Two days in, in August, wherever you're at, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Things don't go your way. way. Human, ex- human element is I'm going to leave, I'm going to quit. And it's, you know, nowadays you see a lot of transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put it more on the players, uh, the parents. My parents handled it the right way. So you don't, you don't quit. You don't stop. You know, you made a commitment to that team. You keep going as hard as you can. And uh, once you remove that option, mm-hmm then it's shut your face and get going. And that was basically what my father told me, shut up, you do what your coaches tell you to do, and there's no place for here if you quit. That was good. So I was done, move on, and not many parents take that uh, direct angle anymore, though. It doesn't seem to be. Uh, What made you decide to go into coaching? 
I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. You know, I wanted to play as long as I could, and there were obviously some limits to that, that I wanted to be a professional baseball or a professional football player, and once that dream was not going to happen, uh, I just went on to coaching. I admired coaching, you know, uh, the coaches you know, of that era. It was, uh, you know, the Woody Hayes, the uh, Bear Bryant, Tom Osborne was one of my favorites, and I actually had articles up my around my room, not just the great players, but the great coaches, and uh, I just always studied great coaches, was very enamored by uh, the, the, the motivation to the point where my college degree, I made a decision to get in psychology, and my favorite class as all was the motivation of psychology, and uh, the psychology of motivation, excuse me, and that was, uh, to this day, I, I used it throughout my 30 plus year career. So when a coach takes over a new program, generally, it's not going so well. They're entering a situation where the team hasn't had success. But you and your career, when you went to Bowling Green, and then again to Utah, and Florida, and Ohio State, things weren't great when you, when you took over, uh, compared to where they were after you took over. How do you come in and make a culture change with the team you have, and then adjust to customize it to kind of your philosophy and the success that you want to have moving forward? That's a great question, one that I've spoken quite often on, especially to colleagues or, you know, I've had a lot of young coaches, not young, coaches leave my staff, become head coaches. And, and it's a terrible mistake when you hear the coach say, they're not my players yet, or it's gonna take time, or I don't have the right personnel, or they're not my guys. And, you know, the, the most important thing, that there's two things, that, uh, love and respect. So I would always warn our staff that if anyone ever made bad comments about the players or previous coaching staff, I was going to let you go. We're not going to do that. And I make it clear that uh, every first team meeting I've ever had, as I make clear to them that I say it just like this, say, now listen, I understand you did not choose me. However, I chose you. And you are my guys. I love you. I'm gonna, now it's going to be miserable and it's going to be tough love, but I got your back and we're going to get through this thing together and get ready to work like you've never worked before. And the players want to hear that. Players want to hear that you are my guy. I didn't recruit you. I don't know your family yet, but I respect you, and we're going to go as hard as we can now. You're either all in or all out. I'm going to find out rather early, but I got you. And uh, I think when people take that mentality, you'll get, you'll get buy-in rather quickly. In that first team meeting when you give that speech, are you kind of scanning the room to see what the eyes are like Absolutely. and what the nonverbals are coming back to you? And, and what, are they, how, what is the general response? Oh, every team's different. You know, I, I, you know, Bowling Green was really going through some hard times, and, and uh, that was they would have done anything, you know, uh, to change. You know, one in ten. To, uh, then I went to Utah, and Utah had a beloved coach, a great coach, named Ron McBride. So that was very much different than Bowling Green. You go down to Florida, and we took over Ron Zook, an excellent coach as well, excellent recruiter. Um, so it, that was much different. And finally, you take over for you know Jim Trussell, beloved coach, and then Luke Fickle, the one year. There was a lot of issues, but, you know, issues that were probably well overblown. And, and so you're very cautious. And I think the number one, the, the key word there is respect. You know, you respect the previous staff, you respect the previous regime, and you respect the players currently. I never said be easy on them. You know, sometimes they, they confuse respect with be easy. Sure. Respect and love and go as hard as you can. Fiesta Bowl, you, like I mentioned, you've been here several times out in the warm weather and, and had some success here. Uh, give me one or two or maybe three of your, your top specific memories that, we're not going to play word association, but some of your top memories from being here at the Fiesta Bowl. Well, the first one as head coach was phenomenal. That was Utah. And um, when we got that bid to come in here, and uh, it was a dream, you know, BCS, uh, there was a non-Power 5 
first school ever to make a big time uh, bowl game like this. And the lasting memory that I'll always have is jogging on a field and seeing a sea of red. The U University of Utah filled the stadium. We were playing Pitt. Uh, we went out and played very well, won the game. And, but I still remember I teared up, you know, because Utah, we took over Utah and they had a hard time filling the stadium. And here we are playing in uh, New Year's Day in the Fiesta Bowl with a full house. That was, uh, that was a great moment. So you're, you're doing well. You're leading me right into my transition to talk about that Utah team. Um, when you brought them here, what made them such a special group? I mean, they were undefeated, like you said, a, a non-power group, and, and you're right up there, and you're two, if I'm not mistaken, with, with the Blue Bloods. I mean, you're, you're, you're bringing them here to the, to the, to the table. We could have, if, you fin if we finished undefeated, we could have on any given day beat anybody. That's how good that team was. And that's, once again, I give credit to the previous staff. Ron McBride was an excellent recruiter. We had this young, skinny quarterback that turned out to be a gem, uh, one of the best players in college football history, Alex Smith. And we're running a new offense. You know, uh, we're running the spread. And not many people knew how to defend. Our closest game was 21 points that year. Mm -hmm. We're playing Texas A&M and Cal, Oregon. Mm -hmm. You know, we're playing some Arizona and then BYU, our, our rival. And uh, our guys just played so well. Uh, they understood the offense, very intelligent team. They loved each other. And uh, it was, you know, I still, I'm actually going there here in the next day or two and go back and see some of the old players. And great, uh, great memories and a great reward for the work they put into it. I, I can feel the emotion coming out of you a little bit. Oftentimes when coaches take a new job in December, they leave for the new job and try and get a head start on, on the next chapter. You intentionally stayed and coached with Coach Witt on the sideline for that Utah Pitt game. Why was it so important to you to coach in the Fiesta Bowl that year with that team? I, I think our players knew. You know, I, I, it was not an insult to go from Utah to Florida at the time. Um, you know, we were in the Mount West Conference. We had a great AD, Chris Hill. Uh, Kyle Winningham accepted the position and he's done a great job since. I'm very close with Coach Witt, and uh, I love those players. The players knew I loved them, and, and uh, they accepted me back. They were great. Uh, we won that game together, and, you know, thank God I was able to do that. That'd be, some coaches get put in tough situations where they don't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to work at Florida immediately, then I came back, and we worked really hard to go in that game. Speaking of coming back at Florida, it wasn't too long before you were back here in 07 for the national championship yeah. game. Um, at, at the new stadium. If you can remember it, can you give us the pregame speech for the national championship link that you gave that Florida team against Ohio State? Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those things you, you try to, and this is kind of a Lou Holtzism, that you try to make the team, you're getting ready to play unbeatable early in the preparation. We had 36 days, if I remember right, to prepare for that game. And I made it seem as if they were unbeatable. You know, we almost didn't make the game. Ohio State had the Heisman Trophy and a couple first-rounders at receivers, uh, Troy Smith and mm -hmm. Gonzalez and Teddy Ginn, and, and they were picked to win uh, substantially, almost to make it. Mm -hmm. And so we, we painted the picture of an unbeatable team that we're getting ready to play, and then I actually believed it too. And then you start watching it, and it gets closer and closer. You know, recruiting ends midway through December, and then you really saturate yourself and say, wait a minute, now we can beat these guys. Mm -hmm. And then you just wanted to make sure that by the time we hit game time, the confidence level is very high. Mm -hmm. So the pregame speech, I can't tell you exactly, but the most important thing was leading, instead of this pregame speech, was leading up that week before. Because by the time we got out here to Arizona, I wanted those players to think they could beat them. Matter of fact, I knew they could beat them. And I wanted them to believe it. And so we would show video clips 
and our schedule was much more difficult at the time. Mm -hmm. And so the whole principle of the leading up to the game was play with great confidence because you can do this. And even when everybody, I think everybody picked Ohio State, everybody, mm -hmm. other than I think my wife, picked Ohio <laughs> State to win. And uh, boy, did our guys play hard. Yeah, they sure did. Speaking of Ohio State, they've been here quite a few times, eight in fact, more than any other school. Uh, and it's a great, a great history with Ohio State and the Fiesta Bowl. Did you feel like there was a special connection between Ohio State and the Fiesta Bowl, maybe unlike others, um, and even to the point of, of having a home field advantage in a bowl game? Oh, yeah. Uh, Ohio State's strong, strong out here in Arizona. Uh, even now that I'm not coaching, I still do some donor events out here. And, you know, it's, the weather's a little better in Arizona than Ohio, so there are a lot of people transplanted. But I remember when we played, I was in Florida, and we played in Ohio State, and I told everybody, I said, now, this stadium is going to be a majority of Ohio State fans. Everybody didn't understand that. Right. They thought it would be 50-50. I said, no, you don't understand. Ohio State travels now. There's a lot of alums out here. Right. And we've always had the, you know, not just Arizona, and Dallas and Rose Bowl. We've been, Ohio State, just the following's unbelievable. When you were at Ohio State a few years ago against Notre Dame, your team experienced kind of the holistic Fiesta Bowl, the more than just a game, the community, and 30 of your players went to go on a, on a charity visit with Ryan House, one of our local charities. So I want to talk about the overall bowl experience just here for a moment. Why is it so important for the student athletes to have a bowl experience where it's more than just kind of Monday through Friday practice and then you play Sunday, you have the training room, Monday, Saturday game, Sunday training room, and then you, you repeat it again. It's different than a regular season game or a, or a college uh, conference football championship game. Why is it important to have that full bowl experience? I think it's extremely important, and I'm old school with that, and I worry about that, and how it's going to change with the college football playoff and kid players sitting out, you know, not going to bowl games. And, and uh, you know, that's something that I remember back from uh, my first opportunity as a head coach when I played in the Liberty Bowl. It was one of the greatest, you know, it's a reward. Um, I hope we don't lose that. I, I get concerned sometimes, you know, the fiesta is unmatched with hospitality, the way they treat you. Uh, they don't wear you out as far as asking you things to do. And, you know, you can always gauge from the families about the experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my wife's been to them all, and her favorite is Fiesta Bowl. Mm -hmm. The Fiesta Bowl trophy, it's kind of unique in sports. People talk about the Claret Jug for the, the British Open and the Stanley Cup. The Fiesta Bowl trophy is valued at $1.2 million. It has 18 karat gold and 2,000 diamonds in it. When you picked that, that guy up for the first time, what was going through your mind besides maybe don't drop it? But uh, did it feel something special to, especially with the Utah game? So just describe the feeling of the Fiesta Bowl trophy. It did, I remember picking, it was heavy. I remember picking it up and, uh, uh, and I handed it to Morgan Scally, who my captain, on the, you know, I'm, I'm holding this thing now, this, you can't drop this. And then Morgan takes it back like he's going to throw it. There's probably a great video of that. And I was like, no, don't do that. Uh, but it is. It's a unique trophy. It's one that uh, when you come here, you're well aware of it. Your players are well aware of it. And it's something that you strive to hold at the end of the game. You mentioned the, the hospitality being unmatched here. And it's something that we take as a, as a pride of honor wearing the yellow jacket. Um, what else? Or expound upon the hospitality about what makes kind of the Fiesta Bowl trip kind of something that's special that you go home and you say, wow, that was, that, was, that was a great bowl trip. Well, my friend Cameron Mitchell, a great restaurateur, wrote a book that I, I actually wrote the forward. I was involved in it, and his answer is the always, his name of the book was The Answer is Always Yes. And that's what I think of the Fiesta Bowl. The answer is always yes. And that's not just coming from me, but from our staff, from our, more importantly, our staff's wives, 
in the administration, it's a yes. You know, can we do this? Can we do this for the players? Because the players are the most important people and, and the families. And the answer is yes. And the gifts they receive, the hospitality they receive, uh, the answer is always yes. The Fiesta Bowl uh, has had a rich history. Seven national championship games, 12 Heisman Trophy winners. The games that you weren't involved in. Share with us maybe a favorite Fiesta Bowl memory of, of the other games. I have a great one. So the week before we're getting ready to play Ohio State, you can imagine I'm a nervous wreck. Uh, and we get there and Oklahoma's playing Boise in the actual Fiesta Bowl. We're in the BCS championship. And I'm sitting there and it's at night and I'm trying to get some sleep or just trying to relax for a second. Now, are you here in Arizona or I'm are you in back Arizona in Florida? In, I can't remember which hotel. In the, I'm laying down. Shelly's there watching the game. And I tell Chris Peterson this all the time. Um, they're running all kinds of trick plays, especially at the end, you know, the hook and ladder, the Statue of Liberty. And she's like, this is unbelievable. And she, I remember her like hit me to wake up. And so why don't we run plays like that? Why don't you, you have to be more creative. And she's like yelling at me a week before we we're gonna play for the national title. So that was my moment though. So did you scribble any down on, on the cocktail napkin by the bed and trying no, to play No, I told her to leave me, I said, leave me alone. I just rolled over. <laughs> did you remind her a week later when you won the national championship that we had it handled? She's always uh, reminded me about that. You need to be more creative. Um, again, you led me right into a transition with Shelly. Um, she's been a part of your life since you guys were both undergrads at University of Cincinnati, and, and she's a teacher by profession. Uh, teachers are very important to us here at the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and likewise, we've also gotten to know Shelly through, through your time here and, and come to enjoy her very much. As a football coach, you're not just a, a tactician, but you're also a teacher to young, uh, to young men. Um, because of Shelly and being a coach, can you share the importance of teachers overall and, and kind of what teachers have meant to you? She's an excellent teacher. Uh, her students love her. She's doing it not because she has to, because she wants to. She teaches nursing, psychiatric nursing at uh, Ohio State. She taught it at Florida. She taught at Utah. She's always loved teaching. I'm actually now teaching a class in leadership at Ohio State. And uh, if you look up in that dictionary, the uh, definition of teaching is causation to learn and not presenting. And that's where I, I, I take great pride in being a football coach. And, and uh, Woody Hayes used to say, coaching is teaching. Um, in, in coaching football, there's no bell curve. You can't <laughs> flunk one third of your class and there's no bell curve. You all have to make sure they pass or you lose your job. And so I think the best teachers I've been around are the most creative. And that means that you're not putting something on the overlay and hoping it works out and they learn. It's you have to teach the people. And um, I've been very blessed to be around incredible teachers, not presenters, teachers, and have great respect. Our future is driven by teachers, and the exceptional teachers, uh, which I've had really my whole life, are very grateful for that. That's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. So we'll close out with one last question. It's going to be the hardest one of the day. I'm sure you've never heard about the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry and how big it is in sports, Duke, Carolina, but... Uh, I've heard a little bit about that. Yeah. Describe what it's like being a central figure in that rivalry. I mean, I remember, I remember ESPN had some Sports Center commercials about, you know, this 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 isn't a problem in any other way. You know, having a, a guy from Ohio State and a girl from Michigan, but when you bring it together in football and athletics, it's a big problem. It's incredible. It's I grew up with. It. I grew up in the Ten Year War when a guy named Bo Schembechler from Ohio and Woody Hayes were coaching against each other, and I tell people that the. 
I've been in some great rivalries, awesome rivalries, but this is the greatest in all of sport, and I'm very biased, I get that. Um, but there's an incredible amount of respect behind that rivalry. Uh, hatred, dislike, you know, want to win at all costs, but there is respect. There are two excellent programs, two excellent universities, and, you know, the way I look at that, and I just remember with Woody Hayes, and I remember with Earl Bruce, my mentor, he would always say that the, this is 365 days you have to eat this one way or the other. And we would work that. How do you show respect for your rival? You don't talk about it. You certainly don't talk negative about them. If I ever heard a player or someone go after our opponent, that's, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. What you do is you respect them. How do you respect them? You work so hard every day. You know, there's never a day that that game doesn't cross, even now, doesn't cross my mind. And it's because of the respect for that robbery. Coach, thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate you spending some time to talk about the Fiesta Bowl, your career, and college football as a whole. Thank you. Well, that was our first Fiesta Bowl football-focused podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed having the conversation with Coach Meyer. Please be sure to subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast, and for more on the Fiesta Bowl organization, please visit us at www.fiestabowl.org. 